Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Morning, church. How we doing? Man, I don't know about you guys, but like the, the, the person reading that, that voice is so soothing to me. Every time I listen to it, it feels so, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I hate it. Um, anyway, uh, my name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here at FBH, and I do some part-time voice work on the side uh, as well. Um, and uh, we are so glad that you're, you're here with us this week, whether you're in person or you're joining us online. We're just we're glad that you're with us, and we are working through this series called Simple, and really our objective in this series is to get the church back on mission, to get the church back focused into what we want to do, which is create disciples, right? Like, that's our goal as a church. If you came in here with any other, any other preconceived notion as to what we were about, sorry to let you down. Our goal as a church is to create disciples. It's not just to hang out with you guys. It's not just to feed you donuts on a weekly basis. It's to come and hope that because of the fact that you're here and because of the other things that we would encourage you to do as well, that discipleship um, would follow. And we're not, gonna, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Everything that we've talked about thus far is not just things that we have talked about uh, numerous times as a church, but beyond that, these are all biblical things as well. So if you've been in your Bible, you know your Bible, that sort of thing, you're going to see evidence of these things all over. For, uh, scripture as well. And so the last, um, the last two weeks, we really did a deep dive into uh, how it is that we are going to love people. Because if you walked in and you saw our, our mission statement on the wall, it was, hey, we want to love God, we want to love people, and we're going to serve the world. And so if you've been tracking with us, this, this weekend's uh, subject matter probably won't be a shock to you. Because week one, we talked about love God. Weeks two and three, we talked about love people, which means now week four, we're going to be talking about serving the world. Good. You guys are all with me and said it in unison. Great job. I'm glad we're all on the same page right now. Um, anyway, um, and, and really what, what we want to get at this morning is that our love of God demands a response, right? It elicits a response in some way, shape, or form. Um, recall back to maybe when you were in junior high or high school, okay? Think about that time in your life. Um, and maybe mom and dad, for me it was mom, uh, left to go run some errands, had to do something. And mom told you, when I come back, I need the house picked up or the kitchen clean or your bedroom clean or whatever it is that had to do with cleanliness, right? I'm like, yep, all right, mom, sounds good, no problem. And you immediately plop yourself down on the couch, you turn on whatever it is that you want to turn on on TV. And before you know it, two and a half hours go by and you hear that garage door opening, right? And then all of a sudden you decide that you're going to do the flight of the bumblebee around the house to try to get everything to like what, like mom's level of expectation. And you're not fooling her because she did it when she was younger too. Like you're not fooling anybody at this point, right? But, but the reality is, is that your, your parent in that metaphor really is, they are your authority figure. They are somebody that you have a relationship with and you submit to that person's authority. And and so because of the fact that you submit to their authority and the fact that you love them and possibly fear them a little bit as well, you are going to do what it is that they ask you to do. This is the same thing that we see here in our relationship with God, or at least it should be the same thing that we see in our relationship with God. Hopefully, hopefully for us, it is not the flight of the bumblebee. 
Hopefully for us, we recognize that, hey, when God tells us to do something, we are going to be be obedient to that, and we are going to continue to walk that through because we love God, because, yeah, we fear God, and three, because, yeah, uh, he asked us to do it. And so because of that, we are going to do that. And so when we're talking about serving the world, we want to be about that. We want to do that. And, and, and for a lot of us, it's relatively, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to serve the world. You're probably not going to learn much today. But for me, it wasn't always evident that, that me as a Christian, that I was supposed, like I am, I am called to serve the world. And shocker, I figured this out when I was 14 years old. Okay, and so when I was 14, uh, I had two really good friends. Their names were Jordan and Caleb. They went to a different church than I did, and this church went to Mexico on mission trips, right? That was, it was one of the things that that church did. And so Caleb had some brothers who had gone on the trips in the past, and his brothers came back with souvenirs from Mexico, switchblades, butterfly knives, M80s, firecrackers, my personal favorite, ninja stars, right? Like, like this is what they brought Caleb back, my friend, my best friend. And so Caleb, when he's pitching this idea to me of like, hey, you should go on a mission trip to Mexico, he didn't talk about anything that we're doing. He's like, bro, you could get like butterfly knives like, and bring them back with you. I'm like, this is every 14-year-old's dream. Like, not only do I get to bring illegal things back into the country, but also I can do it under the guise of like a church trip, right? Like, parents aren't going to say no to me going on a mission trip. I just have to leave out the fact that the whole point that I'm going is to get some ninja stars, okay? So anyway, so we go on this trip, and, and I specifically remember it was, it was a Saturday morning, I'm in a Tijuana bathroom and I slip uh, four butterfly knives into my shoes and slowly walk across the border from the Mexican to the U.S. side of the border on top of butterfly knives. I felt so accomplished. It was phenomenal. Like I said, every 14-year-old's dream. But I didn't just come back with uh, bruises on my feet from walking on knives. I also, um, uh, that Thursday... In that mission area that we were in, in Mexico, is uh, we had like this, at part of the ministry was like, hey, it was like neighborhood care, right? So like we just went out and played with the other kids who were in the neighborhood, that sort of thing. Usually it was soccer. And so we went out. It was after we had built some shelters for the day, and we went out, and we were just playing soccer. And I noticed there was a, um, a guy about my age who also uh, was playing soccer with us, and he didn't have shoes on. He was just playing barefoot. And so through my broken Spanish and his broken English, came to figure out that he had shoes, but his mom wouldn't let him wear those shoes. Those were his school shoes. So he wasn't allowed to play soccer in his school shoes. If he wanted to play soccer, he wasn't allowed to wear those shoes out in the street to play. And so they had told us to bring two pairs of shoes with us, one for our build site and one for around the compound. And so I had some grubby, nasty shoes that I had sweat in and they were on their way to the dumpster before I brought them to Mexico in the first place that were sitting on my bunk. Um, And so I just ran in, I gave them to him, he threw them on and we called it a day. I don't tell you that story because I'm the hero of that story. Really, like I was just like, oh, that stinks, you don't have shoes, here's shoes. But the more I thought about it and the more oftentimes that I returned back to Mexico as I did get the opportunity to serve the world in that specific area of the world, the more that I realized that that for me was a shift in my mindset regarding why it is that I serve. It's not just because, man, I get an epic trip with all of my buddies that I get to bring illegal paraphernalia back into the United States or anything like that. That was just a sweet bonus. 
It was the opportunity to go and serve people who didn't have the opportunity or the same opportunities that I had, the same things that I had, didn't have uh, uh, the, 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 the blessings that I had been given by God. And so because of that, every single time as I went back, I just got the opportunity to get filled up by, by serving other people, by serving the world. And the way you tell, I mean, you will ask anybody who's been on a short or long-term mission trip, man, you go and it has a greater impact on you than it'll ever have on the people that you go serve for five days. The reality is that we are called to serve. You know, maybe some of you have witnessed, and my guess is you have, someone in need in, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know where that would be in your life, driving your car, seeing somebody on the side of the road who needs some cash or something like that. Maybe it's you felt a tug on your heart to begin serving around the church in, in some way. Maybe you've seriously considered heading overseas at some point. More power to you. Hey, whatever the case may be, it is evident, though, that in our incredibly broken world, there is an incredibly abundant need for service. There's an incredibly abundant need. And church, it, it, it really isn't an option if you call yourself a Christian um, to serve. It, it is a mandate because saved people serve people. Right, saved people serve people. That's not my quote, but it looks really, really good across like a mountain background on Instagram. So if you want to throw it on there, it'll look really, really nice. But saved people serve people. That's the reality of being a Christian. Actually, John Piper, a lot of you have probably heard of him. He's a pastor, he's a theologian, and that sort of thing. Uh, one of his most famous quotes is in regard to serving the world. He says this, he says, go, send, or disobey. Those are our options as Christians. Go, send, or disobey. You will fall into one of those three categories if you call yourself a Christian. So you either go serve, you write the check to send somebody to go serve, or you actively disobey what God has called you to as a Christian. Those, those are our options. Like I know that not all of us are going to go pack up our things and move to Iran and go to some hostile territory and all that. Like, like we have our lives set up here. Hopefully there is someone in here who is willing to go and do that. But the reality is that that's really, I'm not raising the bar that high for you this morning. Actually, the bar I want to raise for you is saying, hey, look, look, I want you to serve somewhere that you already go to on a regular basis that probably is only a couple miles from your house. And guess what? I guarantee you can keep your job and work full time and also serve at the same time as well. That's the bar I'm raising for you. That's where I want you to forget Iran. Okay, forget going overseas anywhere. Let's raise the bar to the level of, hey, we're just going to do our best to serve, serve our community. Like every single month, once a month, we have some, some way that we, like we are going to serve the community. And I'll talk about that in a sec. But where we need to land with this is, is loving God demands a response from us because God is our authority figure. In the same way, that loving your parent and honoring your parent demands a response from you as the garage door is closing. Matthew 20, 25, it tells us about this. It says, it says, starting in verse 35, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, 
Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in person and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever it is that you did for the least of these, you did for me. Do we get that? Like, do, do, did we catch that? Whatever we do for the least of these, we are doing for God. Our interaction with the least of these should exemplify God's interaction with us. That as we love God, we can't help but allow his love to flow out of us day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute. And sometimes you're incredibly blessed by it. Sometimes it's like when I went to Mexico and then I get to tell that story 20 years later because it makes me feel good about myself and I'm like, oh, this is a great object lesson for church. And I feel good about it because I was going to throw those shoes away anyway so I didn't have to pack them and maybe some kid got a couple more weeks out of them. And I pat myself on the back and I feel great about the service that I was able to do. And sometimes that's good. Like sometimes that's what happens when you serve. But really the vast majority of the time when you serve, the vast majority of the time when you volunteer, all you get is headaches. And it's hard. And it's frustrating. And it's stressful. And you don't do it for the accolades. And you don't do it because of the fact that, man, somebody's going to think really, really highly of me. No, you do it because loving God demands a response. You do it because that's what you've been called to do. One of my parents' favorite quotes growing up, when I was growing up, and it drove me nuts. They always said, hey, we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's right. That always meant I was going to work like five hours the next day, by the way. <laughs> always. Like, that quote doesn't help me when I'm exhausted. I don't want to do it. Right? But that's the reality of the situation. We don't do the, like, we don't serve because it's easy. We serve because that's what we've been called to do, because it's the right thing for us to do. Serving the world, like, like it, loving God demands a response from us. Right, a few years back, our church, we did a project. It was actually like the first couple months that I, was, that I was here. We called it the Matthew 25 Project. Some of you may remember the Matthew 25 Project, where our missions committee got together and we're like, hey, we got like a sum of money that we're going to lose unless we use it. And so uh, let's give $300 to every single small group, $300 to staff, and uh, they can use it to serve people in some way. That was the goal of it. And so staff got together. And we heard about like this, this group of ladies, this small group of ladies who um, they wanted to pool their money with someone else so we could then make a, a larger impact somewhere. So we got together with that group of ladies and we found out that uh, the shower bus that goes around town, you guys know the shower bus, right? Uh, oftentimes they're parked over at the Episcopal Church. Sometimes um, they're at King's Rescue Mi or King's Gospel Mission rather. Um, and it parks at different places around town. If you're not familiar with it, it's a really simple concept. It's a bus with showers in it. And so people who don't have access to showers, they can go and it's, it's free of charge. And they walk in and uh, they get in the shower and then they start driving them around town. While no, I'm just kidding. They don't do that part. Um, that would be fun though. Um, but they get in, they take their shower, right? And, and, and the reality is they just don't have access to, to hot water. They don't have access to those facilities. And so, so we had realized that the bus had been shut down for like three or four months. And they weren't, they, like they weren't using it at all. So Jeff, I think, called them and Jeff got everything figured out. And, and their water heater was busted. Like that was the only reason. The bus still worked. The water still functioned, everything like that. But they just needed like a portable water heater, 
for like 500 bucks and some change. And we're like, hey, we got that. And so we, we, we paid for it. I was going to say we fixed it. <laughs> we didn't fix anything. We're pastors. Um, um, and so uh, we gave them the money and they got it fixed. And we decided, hey, what we're going to do, we're going to go down there. We're going to take like the re-inaugural first shift of this bus. So we go down there and, man, I'm thinking we're going to change the world today. We're going to talk to all these people who don't yet know Jesus about Jesus as they're coming to get, get showered. Man, what a great metaphor. Hey, you know, as you go into this bus, you're dirty like sin. And you're going to go in and you're going to get cleansed by the blood of Christ like a, a shower. And then you're going to come out and be squeaky clean. I didn't do that, but I just thought of that right now. It would have been brilliant. But, so as I'm getting there, Jeff's talking to the people in charge, and a guy walked up by the name of Joseph, okay, just two very uh, normal biblical characters, Peter and Joseph sitting there having a talk, and uh, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is my, I'm going to lean in, and this is my opportunity really to share the gospel with this guy, and so I don't think I said like 10 words the entire time. And this guy comes at me with theological truth after theological truth after theological truth and scripture and God changed my life and this is what happened over I didn't introduce myself as a pastor. I'm pretty sure he was trying to bring me to Jesus. And it was awesome. And so the more I talked to him, the more I found out about his life and kind of who he was and what he had done, I found out that he had met Jesus when he was in prison. Uh, he had cataracts over his eyes, and so he, he had very little visibility overall. But as he met Jesus, as he encountered him, as he encountered his love, his love that, that, that that encounter and his love of Christ demanded a response from him. It demanded that response. That It didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter where it was. It didn't matter that he was going there to be able to get a shower. It didn't matter that he was homeless and dirty and I was clean and had a home. It didn't matter who it was. That he loved Christ enough. He loved God enough. He had made a big enough impact in his life that he said, no, this demands a response in some way. It demanded a response. Putting your faith demands that. And so when we're saying yes to Jesus, we're saying, every, we're saying yes to everything that Christ taught in the scriptures. And I think, I think that we forget about that sometimes. That when we say yes to Jesus, we forget that we're saying yes to everything in the scriptures. We're saying yes to his spirit that resides inside of every single believer Right? We're saying that we are willing to submit to him and submit to his word regardless of how it is that we feel about those things, regardless of what it is that culture says we should do about those things. Like We need to do so because Matthew 28 tells us that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. It's Matthew 28, 18 actually. It says this, then Jesus came to them, is his disciples, and said, all authority, not some authority, not authority when you feel like it, not authority when you leave to run errands or anything like that. It's all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. And some of us in here would say that, hey, you know what, I do love Jesus. But right now I recognize that I am probably not living in such a way that is exemplifying him. I am probably not, the, the response that I have to Christ probably isn't maybe what it, what it should be. We're going about our day and acting like Christ has authority over, over everything. But the reality is, is that we just kind of put him in the passenger seat and ask him for directions every once in a while. 
And I'm guilty of this too. We see this, we see this every time that life is going really, really well. You ever notice that? That you only, you only sing the Carrie Underwood song, Jesus Take the Wheel, when things are difficult. Right? For the most part, you have Jesus in the passenger seat and just looking for a little bit of course correction every once in a while. Hey, am I off course? No, I'm good? All right, cool. It's a navigation for your car. And it's so easy when we have the road mapped out in front of us and to completely and totally ignore Christ being the Savior of our lives. We're cruising along. We just don't seem to care that the creator of the universe has sent his son on our behalf so we could spend eternity in heaven with him. And we don't seem to care that after Christ's ascension and he went back to heaven with God, that he sent his spirit down from heaven to to live inside of each and every believer so that we would know what is good and we would know what is wrong and we would know what, what, what God would have us do on this earth. Like we just don't seem to get that that demands a response from, our, from us. And we don't serve the world because we feel good about ourselves. We don't serve the world because, so we could be blessed because of it. We serve the world because we love God. We put our faith in his son and his authority tells us that we should. You want to know the interesting thing about Matthew 28, 18? You know what verse comes after it? Matthew 28 and 19. That was a joke. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, though, is one of the most famous passages in the Bible. You know why Matthew 28, 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples? Look at Matthew 28, 18. It's because all authority in heaven and earth had been given to Jesus. So when Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He is saying that because all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. And he's saying, look, because of my authority, because you are, you are to submit to me if you are a believer in Christ, if you believe in me, you will submit to me and you will do these things. The Great Commission. Go. You think John Piper got that go, send, or disobey thing for, like, from himself? It's right here. Go. Like right after Jesus tells them that all authority on he- in heaven and on earth, like he tells us, hey, we're supposed to go make sure that people knows who he is. People know who he is. And church, I can't, I can't stress this enough. If we're going to do our best to share our faith with other people, if, if we're going to do our best, like if we don't do our best to serve those who are downtrodden, those who are down in their luck, those who are like downright unlovely people, if we aren't willing to serve those people, then we're doing it wrong. I double down and say, if your life has gotten easier because you decided to follow Christ, hear that, weigh that. If your life has gotten easier because you decided to follow Christ, my guess is that you're turning a blind eye to the mandates that he has for you in Scripture. We are called to serve. We're called to serve. A famous pastor and leader, he wrote this. He said, I would never want to reach out someday with a soft, uncalloused hand, a hand never dirtied by serving, and shake the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. That makes you reach down and touch your calluses, right? Make sure they're there. That's tough for me because I sit at the desk the majority of the time. (laughs) When I get to, to heaven, 
I want to wear the, the proverbial scars of servanthood, saying, Jesus, I did everything I could to serve the least of these because I love you and you love me best. And I wanted to take every opportunity to love and serve a world who has turned its back on you. Church FBH is called, we are called, Christians are called to serve the world. And this is where the, the rubber meets the road for us. Here's the important part uh, of this morning because you guys, as you walked in, most of you walked by those tables and you saw some balloons and some stickers and you're like, dang it, they're going to ask me to sign up for something today, aren't they? Yep. We are. You think I'm going to give a whole message about service and not give you an opportunity to sign up for something? Come on. You must be new to church. Welcome. <laughs> the reality is where the rubber meets, meets the road for us. Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. These are three concentric circles that this is talking about, this small area, this large area, and this big area. And so at FBH, we have three areas of service that we focus on. Focus on serving the church, that's the small one. We focus on serving the community, that's the larger one. And then we focus on serving the world, that's the largest one. Three concentric circles. We're not the first ones to think of this, don't worry, we stole it from the Bible, it's okay. But one of the interesting things that happened in the midst of the pandemic I don't like talking about the pandemic because everybody just gets upset and political and angry and posts up on Facebook and it just goes crazy. So forget about the fact that it was during the pandemic. But over the course of the last 18 months, let's phrase it that way. Over the course of the last 18 months, something interesting happened in our church body. Our church went from the majority of our people at our church being over the age of 55. Raise your hand if you're over the age of 55 and proud of it. Okay, good job. Round of applause for people over the age of 55. You did it. I don't know why we clapped for you. Congratulations. It's free applause. That's how I feel when I come on stage and people clap. Like, I didn't do anything. I just walked. So our church, though, it flipped in the midst of the pandemic where the vast majority of our church was over the age of 55 walking into the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, guess what? It flipped over, which means the vast majority of our church now is under the age of 55. Here's the crazy thing. Uh, we take, we'll clap for them too. Good, I like that too. Everybody under the age of 55, you did it. <laughs> um, but here's the crazier thing than that. It's about 25% of our church congregation is under the age of 12. That's, that's great, right? And everybody's like, oh, dang, that's awesome. You know, two weekends ago we had eight, or three weekends ago we had 18 babies in our nursery. Yeah, I know. That's more than like live at my house, <laughs> right? That's a lot of babies in there, okay? Last weekend I walked in and there were five ladies in there holding babies. I was like, congratulations. So anytime my, my wife is like, hey, number six, I'm like, go hold more babies. <laughs> go hold more babies. <laughs> right, so I say that not to just be like, hey, man, look, look at this awesome wave that we have coming and this young group of people who have coming. I say this because, because we need help. 
Because what also happened over the course of the last 18 months is that our, our volunteer base was obliterated. Obliterated. Right? And part of it has become because some of those people over the age of 55 who are maybe attending elsewhere or maybe who are more comfortable watching online and that sort of thing haven't returned, and that's okay. But the other reason is, is that, man, we just got a massive need, a huge need in kids' ministry, right? Like I said, in the two areas, Sunday morning, hey, I'll tell you what, if you're sitting here and you're holding a donut or you've held a donut, you can also sit over there and hold a baby, okay? Just saying, right? And we'll throw you on a rotation. Hey, you, want, you can do it once a month. Sweet, we got a spot for you once a month. Tuesday mornings, okay? This is the only time that we offer childcare outside of a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Okay, Tuesday mornings, we have a group. It's called SOS. They come and it's, it's a whole bunch of young moms. We don't have context for a lot of them, actually. I walk in and I'm like, I don't know who any of you guys are, except my wife, she goes, Right? And so this is a massive draw. Tuesday mornings is a massive draw for moms who are out at the base. And a massive draw for moms who are stay-at-home moms, who have kids, who, man, they just, they, they would love to get to some sort of study during the day, but we don't want to, like, bring our kids to it and, like, try to have conversations about God while our kids are screaming or they need another snack or they need to be wiped in the bathroom or anything like that. Like, it's hard being a mom and being in a group. And so Tuesday mornings, like, hey, we, we want to provide a space for that. Two years ago, we had over 35 ladies in those groups. It was incredible to see. And they were right next to where we would have our, uh, our, uh, our staff meetings. And just like the laughter of the moms and the joy that would come through those walls was incredible to be able to witness. But we need help. We have two people right now who are willing to come and help. Man, we got like 17 or 18 kids who are planning on showing up to that thing. I mean, like half of them are mine, but still, like there's so many kids <laughs> who are going to that thing. And so if you're retired or you're somebody who's just like kind of bored on a Tuesday and looking to hold babies or just hang out with kids and, and, and teach them about Jesus a little bit and be there with them, man, this is a spot where we are desperately in need. Stephanie is going to be out there after. She's our children's director for Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, or Tuesday mornings. We need help in our children's area. But beyond that, you know, Danny, our student pastor, he's seen larger numerical growth over the course of the last two years than he's probably seen over the course of the last five like our junior high and high school are continuing to gain traction and gain momentum, which means he's in need. And if you're one of those weirdos who's like, yeah, I love hanging out with junior high students. God bless you. Go in peace. Like, go sign up. Right? But then I know some of you are like, hey, that's just a little bit too big of a commitment. And, I'm, and maybe you're not, like, that's not the way you're gifted. That's not the way you're wired. That's okay. We got small group leaders for those of you who want to teach stuff. Great. Go talk to Jeff. For those of you who are like, hey, I don't want to talk to people, but I can, man, I can, I can cook. Sweet. Especially you people who can cook right now. As you know, so our Wednesday nights, we, we're planning on feeding 100 people every Wednesday night when they come down. That's a huge deal. That's a massive undertaking for any of you guys who cook. Okay? But also over the course of the last 18 months, the people who, who have largely served in the kitchen over the course of like the last decade plus, They've said, hey, you know what? I think our time is up. We've, we've served well in that ministry, and I think it's time to pass the torch. Now, you know, Wednesday night starting a week and a half, we're like, uh, 
man, we need some help in that area. And so if that's you and you know how to run a kitchen or you simply know how to flip a burger, man, go sign up for kitchen and hospitality outside. But maybe none of those is you. Maybe your gift is just making people feel comfortable. You're an extrovert. You get home and your spouse is like, can you just calm down? Right? And I know there's those of you who are out here like, I, I leave social situations and I need to take a nap. Kyle leaves social situations and he wants to go to more social situations, right? Like that's just the way some of you are wired. And you love interacting with people and you want to use that gift to be able to make people as they walk into our space feel welcome and feel loved and feel like, hey, you belong here and Jesus is the best news that you're ever going to hear. So make me make sure I, I, I smile real big as you come in because maybe that smile and that hello is what's going to keep you here to hear the gospel. Right? Maybe that's you. Man, go sign up. If you have a gift or a talent, and let me, let me tell you something, if you're in here, you do. Regardless of what your junior high gym teacher told you, you are talented. There's a spot for you. Me, Jeff, Kyle, Stephanie, Danny, Donna, everybody on staff, we can't do it by ourselves, nor should we. That's not the body of Christ. That's paid staff doing a job. It takes the body of Christ to continue to serve. And yeah, I'm focusing in here. And man, I, I, I'm probably making you all feel pretty guilty right now and good. Um, but the reality is, is that in order for our church to continue to serve the world to the best of our ability, in order to get back to the normalcy that so many of us are craving and longing for and saying, hey, I just want church to be back to the body of Christ and, and believers and loving people and serving the world and doing all of those things, we can't do it without you. Maybe you're musically inclined. Go sign up with Kyle. Maybe you're not musically inclined. Still, go sign up with Kyle. I think it'd be funny for me. And I know some of you aren't because I've heard you clap, you know, but that's not true. It is a Baptist church. We don't clap in here. Um, but, but, but like we have spots for you and it's the body and your giftings and your talents and like the church should be an expression of those giftings and those talents as we serve the world. And we don't do it because, hey, I get to be on stage and sing and play guitar. We don't do it because we get to be in a small group and because people are going to say thank you. We do it because loving God demands a response. And all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to Jesus Christ. And it's our responsibility to submit to him as an authority figure. That's our job. That's our responsibility. And so as we love him, we love the world. As we serve him, we serve the world. Like that's our goal as a church. So if you're feeling guilty, hey, I'm not sorry about it. Hopefully it's the Holy Spirit and not just your conscience. Hopefully it's the Spirit saying, hey, you know what? I've been on the couch for the last 18 months and I haven't re-upped yet. It's time. Or maybe it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, you know what? Hey, it, you, have, you have been coming to this church long enough. You've been coming to church long enough, and you haven't jumped in anywhere except a place that benefits you. Maybe it's time for you to serve. Because when it comes to discipleship, if you stop at small groups, that's a very shallow view of Christianity. If coming on Sunday is the one spiritual thing you do a week, that's a shallow view of Christianity. I say you've probably gotten enough to get your foot in the door, but you are not a disciple of Christ. Save people, serve people, period. 
And it doesn't mean you have to serve here. It doesn't mean you have to serve in our community. It doesn't mean you have to serve uh, like, like wherever it is that you decide that you are going to serve, go. Serve. Do it and do it well and do it in the name of Jesus. Don't do it, do it just for the sake of doing it. Do it in the name of Jesus. For those of you who have been serving and like re-upped, can I tell you, our production team, they get no love. The only time that you guys care about the production team is when a slide is laid on screen, am I right? Or the music's too loud. That's the only two times people in here care about the production team. Can I tell you that that team has worked harder and without stop and without fail over the course of the last two years while everybody else was able to just kind of sit back and take a break. If you're good at clicking buttons, this, if you can do this, right, do me a favor, tap your spouse on the leg and do this. If you're sitting next to him right now, that means you can click a button in the back. Hey, whatever it is that you are gifted and talented to do, whatever it is, do it because of the fact that you love God and you want to serve his church because it demands a response like it's as simple as that. And I'm standing up here trying to teach you anything today. I'm trying to stand up here and hopefully the Holy Spirit evokes a little bit of something in you so that when we go out there in just a second, we're released in just a second, then man, all of those sign-up sheets are completely full and we're dumbfounded as to what to do with every single one of you. I would love for that to be the problem. Church for the body of Christ. You want the church to be successful? Be the body of Christ. Serve. Serve the world as we've all been called to. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I'm, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your son and, and just the recognition that in serving you, it, it demands a response. And I get it. Like, we're not walking away with any massive theological truth this morning. Hopefully, we can, we can walk away with the recognition, though, maybe in our own lives that, hey, I, man, maybe my next step in becoming the disciple of Christ is to serve somewhere. And maybe it's the church or maybe it's, it's, it's signing up for serving the community. Maybe it's signing up to, to serve the world and going on one of our trips next year. I don't know, God, I don't know where people are at, but God, I pray that this response today would be overwhelming. God, I pray that we would recognize that, that as a church we have a need and we want to step out in faith and meet that need to the best of our ability. But we can't do it simply by writing a check. We can't pay for these things, nor have you called us to. You've called us to be the body of Christ. Your spirit has gifted and talented us in such a way that, that every single ministry can benefit in some way from the gifts that he has given. And so, God, I pray that that would just be our heart this morning. That we would respond this morning. God, because saved people serve people. And maybe there's people in here who are not yet saved people. You're like, hey, I want to get on board with living for something bigger than myself. If that's you this morning, you can pray along with me and say, Father, A, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I admit that. But B, I, I believe 
that you sent your son to the cross to die for my sins and that he was raised again three days later, that he conquered death so I could be with you in eternity. I believe that. But see, I would choose to follow you every single day. And this is the difficult part. For those of us who maybe are just professing faith for the first time now or those who have professed faith for the last 80 years, the choosing to follow you, that's discipleship. That's becoming a disciple of Christ, is following you and doing the things that you did, which was caring for the least of these, Father. Serving people. God, we love you so much. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.